0: So if you, if you uh, came in later, or whatever, I just forgot, there's Bibles in the windowsill, so grab one of those. Um, I want you to have it tonight, like every night, but just, I say that every time, I don't know why I keep saying that, but uh, if you don't have a Bible, grab one, um, and then I think you're going to want to take some notes tonight, so get a app or something, I don't really care, uh, get something so you can write some things down. Um, before we get started into our message time, uh, I wanted to, to remind you a couple of things. Actually, just one thing. Um, April 12th, we're going to do a baptism service just for teenagers. Uh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be Sunday night, April 12th, over in the main sanctuary where we actually have a thing we can baptize people in. Uh, and it's our, our band's going to lead us. Um, it's a service built for you, but our entire church family is going to be there to support and um, show their love and appreciation for you guys and uh, to celebrate what God's doing with us. So last Wednesday night, another one of you guys said, hey, can we talk afterwards? And we sat down and talked, and uh, another one of you... <laughs> This keeps happening. Uh, gave your life to Christ back in November, and um, I got to celebrate with them. So uh, Holly came down front Sunday morning. So Holly's added to our list of people that were baptized April 12th. You should celebrate that. Uh, so if, uh, if, there's, if there's more of you in here who… Um, who have given your life to Christ and haven't got to celebrate that with uh, your friends and your family and your church family, then I'd love to talk with you about how to do that. So uh, afterwards, come find me and I'd love to help you figure out logistics of how to make that happen. In the meantime, we got to talk about um, some things and we uh, have a lot to to walk you through in in God's word tonight. So we're going to move pretty quickly. All right. So um, how many of y'all have pet peeves? All of you. All right. I I have a lot of pet peeves. I get aggravated by a lot of things. All right. Slow drivers, being the primary one. Like I turn into a different person. Like the Holy Spirit just like leaves me or something when people drive below the speed limit in front of me. I don't care if it's a school zone. I'm just, I get just that, that rage, you know, I never get more mad in any situation in life unless I'm, I mean, except in my car behind a slow driver. I get just this blood red. I'm like yelling and stuff in my car after they speed up. I'm like, what was that? You know? <laughs> I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Like, we just have these pet peeves that just drive us absolutely nuts. I have one for um, preachers. I have a, a, a we'll have a lot of them actually, but we're going to talk about one right now. Um, I, I, I get so irritated if I, if I come into a, a time like this and I'm in a worship service and somebody's going to say they have, they have God's word open up here. They're going to walk me through this, something, and, and they pose a question. And they promise an answer. They promise a solution. They promise something for me to do to, to fix something, and they never deliver. It makes me so mad. Like I, I remember being in, in messages in, in high school where uh, somebody was was be preaching, and they would they would kind of pose a question at the beginning, and I'm like, man, yeah, I've been I've been wanting to, hear. I've been wanting to have some help with that. I can't wait. I'm like getting my notes out or whatever, and then we just tell stories about puppies and snowmen, and we never got an answer. It would drive me absolutely bananas. So last week, if you were here in in Greenhouse, we began uh, just a little two-week series on temptation. We talked about how we are people who are tempted, that there's weak spots inside of each one of us. We all have our own different weak spots where we're gonna be tempted. And not only do we have weak spots inside of us, we have a very real enemy outside of us who tries to exploit those weaknesses to separate us from the relationship with God that he intended for us to have. But what I didn't do last week was tell you anything about what to do with that. I told you we were going to do it this week, so this entire week I felt this very real pressure because I know how irritated I would be if I were a teenager and I showed up and was looking for some help and some guidance from God's Word about how to overcome temptation, and then it fell flat. So everything we're doing tonight is, is to try to give you strategy, like practical, real strategies for overcoming temptation in your life. All right? All right. It's everything I'm giving you. So that's why I want you to write some stuff down so that if, there, if this isn't like a, a moment of huge temptation for you, the next time it hits, you've got something you can flip back through and you can see some, some passages and you can go back and look at this and hopefully find some strength in it, okay? So I want you to write down kind of the points as we go through. I want you to write down the passages and anything else that sticks out to you. Write that stuff down. Just clickety-click, you know, just go nuts. You don't actually click anymore, do we? We're, anyway, whatever. I saw a guy at Chick-fil-A the other day. I was driving around Chick-fil-A, the, Making the loop to get in the drive-through, and there was a dude standing there with a flip phone, and he was like my age. Where did he find a flip phone? It's incredible. Anyway, it changed my life. It's crazy. Anyway, that's I didn't plan to tell you that. It just was that weird. It's needed to it's needed to share that with my friends. All right, First Corinthians chapter ten. First Corinthians chapter ten. Go there quick. First Corinthians chapter ten. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. This verse forms the theological uh, foundation for overcoming temptation in our lives. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. It's the theological foundation for you getting any traction in overcoming temptation in your life. All right, so we're gonna gonna read it. We're gonna talk about it. And then we're gonna talk about some other things after that. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says this, no temptation... No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with a temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And I love that passage. I love that because there's so much hope in that for me, and, and it speaks into this, these, these very dark areas of my heart where temptation has a hold on me. And where I'm, when I'm in, I'm in a place where I'm not doing a great job overcoming temptation, that verse comes to mind and reminds me that, <laughs> that God is faithful and he will not let me be tempted beyond my ability. But with that temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that I may be able to endure it. Let's, just, let's walk down through this passage because it's extremely important for us to get what, what God's word is saying here. So the first thing it says is that no temptation has in you that has overtaken you that is not common to man. No temptation has overtaken you that's not common. I love, that. I love that line because it reminds me that I'm not alone in this. That I'm not facing anything that somebody else hasn't faced as well it kind of unifies us in our common weakness in our common need of a savior, of a God who can work. You're not alone in your struggle. That thing you think is only you, that thing you think is so dark that you can't talk to anybody about it, there's a whole bunch of other people in the room that are struggling with the exact same thing you are. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to the people in this room. And there's, there's some freedom in that. I think one of the things that the enemy uses us to, against us is shame. And we think that we're the, man, I'm the only girl dealing with this. I'm the, I'm the only guy that I know that, that this is as, as a big of a deal as it is for me. And that shame closes us off and prevents us from finding any kind of help. No temptation has overtaken you that's not common to man. He goes on from there. <laughs> I love this. It says, God is faithful. That's this pivotal point of this passage. And it's got to hold true because it makes some promises about what God's going to do. And so before it makes a promise about what God's going to do, it promises that God is faithful, that he's not going to turn his back on you, that he's not going to fail you, that what it's about to say about him is going to hold true in your life. Then it goes on and it says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. He will not let you just, like, just imagine that in your head, okay? Just just like, just like, visualize with me for a second, okay? Just imagine you standing there and all the temptation that bombards you on a normal day. Like when you go through school, the stuff that assaults you, the stuff when you get home, the, the temptations that come on you. When that anger thing wells up we talked about last week, you know, when that stuff happens, just imagine that as like, uh, I'm making this up as I go because I didn't think about this until I got on stage. Imagine those as like, like tennis balls coming at you out of a tennis ball machine. You know, those tennis ball machines, those things are awesome. I wish I owned one. It would be fun. I would shoot it at people. So just imagine that you're in a room, there's a tennis ball machine and every one of those balls is coming at you is temptation. And then it says, God will not let you be tempted. He kind of, it's like, it's like God gets in between the temptation and us. He's the one that shields, the one that, that blocks, that prevents us from being tempted beyond our ability. It's not, he doesn't say that he's going to prevent us from, from all temptation. He's, it's like he knows where your limit is right now. He knows how strong you are in that moment, and he gets in between you and that temptation, and he doesn't, he doesn't allow so much to come at you that you can't overcome it. So he gets in there and it says that God is faithful. He's going to do his part to shield you from the stuff that you can't overcome. So what that means is that what's left, the temptation that does come, God believes that you have the ability in his strength inside of you to overcome it. So now in this passage, we have, a, we have this kind of, this teamworks thing where God is protecting you and blocking you from, from things that you can't overcome, the stuff that's too big for you right now. And then the stuff that you can handle, he believes in you, he thinks you can do, he's letting that slip by. And then all of a sudden it's, it's on you. It's your responsibility at that point to take care of those. <laughs> that, I think it's, so God will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. So what ability do you have? How much strength do you, do you, do you have? How do you quantify that? I, I don't think you can. I'm, I'm sure God can, and I know he can, and he does, but... Here's what I think sometimes. I think that sometimes we think that God is going to lightning bolt us with things. Like if you pray for strength to overcome something, that God is going to lightning bolt you with strength. And if you pray for God to give you peace or God to give you faith, that what He's just going to do is just like lightning bolt down some peace and faith at you, and all of a sudden that's going to be instilled in you all of a sudden without you having to go through anything, and that's just not real. That's not how God works. God works through situations and circumstances to instill in us the kind of characteristics that we hope for and pray for and dream for. So when we ask for strength, God gives us opportunities to grow in our strength. So I got a bunch of my, my baseball guys in here tonight, and I, yeah, been soccer players, cross-country guys. I Me, mean, you got calves of Steel back there, baby. You guys ever seen Rob Hatfield's calves? I don't know why that dude's calves are so big. They're enormous. I mean, they look like they should be on a statue. If there's a statue of calves, it'd be Rob Hatfield's calves. But the way you get calves like that, and the way you get, you know, guns like baseball players is you go through some stuff, right? You don't just like ask coach, hey, hey, coach, uh, uh, I want to get swole. He's like, hmm, fairy dust, <laughs> hmm, steroids. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's not how that works. It's supposed to you got to put in some effort. And so what, you, what that effort is is, 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 is is you put exerting effort against an external force that is pushing back against you. So God gets in there and he says, hey, you can't lift this much. I'm going to block out this much, but what, this is what you can lift. You may not believe in yourself this much, but if you want strength, if you want strength to overcome temptation, I'm going to let this much pass, and then it's your job to lift. It's that moment, guys, when, when you're going to go for your max bench ever, and you don't, you're not real sure you can do it, and then you do God lets in our max so that we can learn to be strong. And he keeps going on the, what God is faithful to do. The next it says that he is, uh, he is faithful to provide a way of escape. I love alien movies. Like any kind of movie that's got aliens in it. Because I really, actually, I really don't, I like parts of alien movies. The reason I like alien movies so much is because the weapons they have in alien movies are just cool and not realistic. I don't know if I've ever seen one of these, any kind of movie that's based on aliens where they don't have some little like shotgun that can blow that entire wall down, right? Every time, you know, it's always like a charging sound, like a, like a flash on a camera. It's like, and like the wall's gone, right? This is what I imagine, just, you know, this is how my faith works, okay? This is what I imagine God doing. He's blocking out the stuff I can't handle. He's letting stuff come through. It's my responsibility. It says, but God is going to be faithful with right a way of escape, That when everything seems to be closing in on me, when I can't get out of it, right? And God's going to blow a hole in the wall and provide a way for me to get out of it. He's saying, I believe in you. This this temptation that's coming at you, you have, you can do this. You've never done it before, but you can do this. I'm going to give you a way of escape. Here it comes. I'm doing this so you can have some, so you can, Exercise your strength so you can push forward, so you can be stronger. If he sheltered everything from us, we wouldn't have any strength, man. He's he's instilling strength in us by letting just enough pass to push us. You can overcome it. You don't think you can, but you can. Because he's also promised to provide a way of escape. And that last line of it, uh, faithful provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. That's the whole goal here, right? That's what we want to do. That's what we're hoping for tonight, that we can find some ways that we can figure out how we can endure when temptation comes. That's my hope for you. That's God's plan for you is to endure it. But we're not done. We couldn't stopped the message right there, man. We preached a text. We like had points and stuff. We could be done, but we're not because the Bible gets a whole lot more practical than that. So we're about to get really, really practical together. Okay. So out of God's word, here are four strategies Write that down. These are four strategies to overcome temptation. Just four, four strategies to overcome temptation. That first passage, if you didn't write it down, was First Corinthians ten thirteen. That's the foundation of it. All right. So, strategy number one. Run. That's it. Write that down. Number one, run. The passage here is Genesis 39. This is a story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife. You read that? You should read it. It's Genesis 39, Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Joseph, as the, I think is the only, well, no, there's, he's, he's one of two people in scripture I can think of right now that's described as being uh, good looking. And if you're so good looking that your good lookingness gets inside of the Bible, then you have biblical good looks, all right? You've heard like a flood of biblical proportions. Joseph had good looks of biblical proportions, okay? And he, he's, he's, uh, he's, this guy named Potiphar owns him. Anyway, that's a backstory, on time to get there. But he, he's, he's the overseer of this guy named Potiphar's uh, house. Potiphar's wife sees the um, biblical proportions of Joseph's good-lookingness and makes her move repeatedly. And he starts hiding from her and it's just, you know, it's not really working out for her. She gets irritated. Finally, she grabs a hold of his, his grabs, you know, he's got the, the, the cloak, you know. He's like, grabs a hold of his cloak and is like, I'm tired of chasing you around. It's go time. And he squeaks like a girl, <laughs> un, like unties or buttons or whatever. I don't know how robes work, right? And jets. And she's left, she's left holding the rope. And there's naked Joseph, like, booking it across the desert. Just like, you know, you know when you're running so fast, it's like throwing dirt behind you. It's like sand, little sand plumes back there. Joseph's just booking it, just full moon, you know, and she's like, God, what? Did that work? Yeah, it worked. Run, dude. Just run. Just run. It's a great strategy. It's a great strategy. If, so if, if God is being faithful to provide a way of escape, then that does not mean that you always have to stand and fight. That sometimes the best strategy is just to book it. Just run. You know the, areas of, you know, you know the places where you're tempted, like the physical locations. Just in your head right now, think about the times of day, the rooms that you're in where you're tempted in that thing in your head. Run. Do not be in that room at that time of day. Do not talk to that person at that time. Just don't engage. Run. If there are certain friends that you're around that tempt you to do certain things, run. That means get new friends. That doesn't mean like run from your friends. Ah! Like, that's not what I mean. The run is kind of figurative here, okay? So if you got friends that, that man, when you're getting 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, and that, those, that alcohol thing that we talked about last week, get new friends. Avoid those friends. They're not good friends. Get better friends. If sexual activity is a huge thing between you and your boyfriend or you and your girlfriend, get a new boyfriend or girlfriend. Or just don't have one at all. You will survive, I promise run. That's not a temptation. These, the ones I'm listing, and I'm not listing these arbitrarily here. I, I'm listing the ones that I know that when you try to stand and fight, you don't make it. When you try to stand to your group of friends that you hang out with all the time and say, hey, I'm not going to drink tonight, that doesn't work for you. Whether you realize that yet or not, that's not going to work. You being present in it doesn't work, so don't be present in it. If self-harm is a thing that happens when you're only alone in your room at a certain time of the day, then don't be alone in your room at a certain time of the day. Same goes for pornography. If you have a computer, if you have your own laptop, strap that thing to a counter in your kitchen. Run. There's this easy physical barriers you can place between this thing. Run. That's the first one. You got it? Clear on that? Cool. So the first one's run, Genesis 39. Second one, It's the opposite. It's fight. Fight. Fight hard, baby. Like, dig in and fight. James 4, 7 is this ridiculous little verse. (laughs) It's so ridiculous. I'm not, like, I have to convince, I have to remind myself that that the Bible is true in its entirety when I read these little words, okay? It says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's, that's something. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That, that feels like David and Goliath to me. Well, that worked out pretty well too. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. So that, that anger thing, fight, Man. You know, those those like just flaming words that come out to your mom or your dad or your little sister or whatever fight, fight to keep your mouth shut. You can win that fight. Just like don't open your mouth. (laughs) You can do that. You're doing it right now. Like just hold your jaw closed and you won't say those things. See what I'm saying? It's a good strategy. Just fight to keep your mouth closed. You'll be fine. That gossip thing, that's such a big deal for you. Fight, just, like just fight your mouth from opening. You can do it. God knows you can do it. He's allowing that temptation past you because he believes that you can literally not open your lips. You can do it. In Matthew chapter four, Jesus went through, um, (laughs) well, the enemy just came and picked up Jesus. And Jesus went through a period of temptation, right? It's Matthew chapter four. I'm gonna let you read it um, on your own. But so as Jesus goes through this period of temptation with the enemy sitting right there with him, can't imagine the intensity of that temptation. Every time the enemy spoke, Jesus replied with scripture. He fought with the, with the sword of the spirit, the very word of God. That's, that's the weapon that we have to use in our fight. So not only do you just like, keep your mouth shut, you know, just fight to not engage. But in your head, what I want rolling through your head are are passages that speak truth and remind you about the reality of the temptation in your life and your ability to overcome it, that speak to that specific thing for you. So if lust is a huge deal in that moment, I I want the verses that you've memorized about lust going through your head. You know your weak spots. We talked about them last week. I know you did. I know you know what your weak spots are. Find passages in God's word that serve as a sword that you can fight off that temptation with. Memorize them. Don't like stick them in your phone or whatever and just like have them in the, memorize them. I want them to roll through your head just naturally. Say those verses to yourself over and over and over and over again. That is your weapon. So stand up and fight. The third one. Third one is team up. Team up. Team up. You are stronger with people around you, the right people. You are stronger with the right people around you. In Ecclesiastes uh, four two or four twelve, it says, um, "And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken." This is the uh, this is the idea of. Um, uh, <laughs> how do I explain this? <laughs> Basically, this is the idea that you don't fight three dudes at once. You just don't. Like, they're not easily overcomable, right? If three of you want to go jump some, like, neighbor kid down the street, it's probably going to work out pretty well for you. But if you're that neighbor kid, it's not, right? So in this scenario, the neighbor kid is the temptation. And you and your little, like, thug gang, that's you and some of these people in this room with you, all right? This is your only opportunity to be thugs. It's against temptation. It's not that, you know, not, it's not that crazy, all right? So here's how this works out for you. Oh, well, there's another, there's another verse. It's, it's Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. It says, uh, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. The idea is that when you've got other people around you, they rub off on you. They sharpen you. They strengthen you. So here's what I want you to do, how this applies for your life. I want you to find some people around you that can, that can serve as accountability partners and a, a source of encouragement and strength for you. If you have no idea what that means, I want to briefly tell you, uh, basically, this is, this is some people, one or two other people, that probably need to be of the same gender as you, that you guys sit down once a week and talk about those weak spots talk about how you're struggling with them and overcoming them and you're praying for each other these are the people that when you're right in the middle of it and your mom's just driving you absolutely nuts and you that anger thing is just well up inside of you and you're not sure that you can fight it anymore you text this person and they're praying for you and trying to talk you down you know that's an accountability partner i want you to have one or two other people that are the same gender as you that you can do that with that you say, hey, these, these are my weak spots. What are yours? You're praying for me throughout the week. I'm praying for you. When things go wrong, I can call you, I can text you, and you've got my back. And uh, periodically in here, I, I mention something called rooted. It's, um, our our student ministries is like four steps up a ladder. Greenhouse is step one. Sunday morning small groups is step two. Z groups on Sunday night, step three. The, the, the highest step, like the most hardcore we get, is called rooted. It meets mean, once a month, and I, I lead that. You, you come and you hang out with me. We can hang out for like two or three hours sometimes and talk through stuff. You get assignments, you serve. Well, the, one of the primary things that everybody in Rooted does is they have accountability partners. And they get together every week and they talk through things and they encourage each other. I'd, I'd encourage you to, if, I mean, if accountability is something you need in your life, get here. Be a part of Rooted. Fill out the application, come join us. You can join Rooted anytime you want. Team up. The last one, the last one is this, number four, fix your eyes on Christ. Fix your eyes on Christ. The passage here is Hebrews 12, one and two. Hebrews 12, one and two. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's also lay aside every weight and sin that clings to so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And then it goes to how we're going to run this race, how we're to do this successfully. It says, as we run this race that's set before us, looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It says if we're going to be people who lay aside every weight and sin that, sings, that clings so closely and we're going to run this race, this race called life, we're going to run this race successfully. We've got to be people who look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, the one who endured the cross in our place. So when I say fix your eyes on Christ, that's exactly what I mean, that when you're running this race, when you're trying to live the kind of life that God has called you to live, when you're trying to do what, when you're trying to overcome temptation, we're people who look to Christ. And not like, not like, we look to Christ on the cross. When we're trying to overcome temptation, I want you to fix your eyes on the image of Christ paying for the sin, which is an option before you. So when that, when that sin is at your door, when that temptation comes, the image I want in your head is the image of Christ on the cross. Your savior, the one who died to set you free so that you don't have to be, like, so you have an option other than that sin. You have living a life that is glorifying and honoring to the one who died for you. Remind yourself of the gospel. And that temptation comes, Christ on the cross. I love the story of Peter walking on water. I, I love getting to be around lakes. I love water skiing. I love getting to wakeboard and stuff because I feel like I'm walking on water. And I think about that passage a lot um, where, where Peter uh, sees, or Peter and all the disciples, they see Jesus walking out to the boat on the sea. Jesus calls Peter out, and he steps out of a boat, and he he walks on water for a minute focused on Jesus. And as long as he stayed focused on Jesus, he was fine. And then his focus slipped, and so did his feet. It is incredible what we can do when our hearts and our minds are focused on Jesus Christ. So as you look to overcome temptation in your life, Fix your eyes on him. Guys uh, for whom porn is an issue, fix your eyes on Christ. In that moment, when that temptation comes, put that image in your mind and focus on that image rather than the others. Self-harmers, Fix your eyes on the one who was pierced so that you didn't have to be. He has promised to be faithful. He has paid for your failures. And he sets you free from this stuff. He shields you from all the stuff that you can't overcome. and And he lets through the stuff that he knows you can his strength. And in the light of the gospel, you can overcome temptation. Run, fight, team up, fix your, eyes on, fix your eyes on Jesus. You can do this. You can do this. Let me pray for you. Uh, Father, if we're honest, we're not real sure that um, we believe that sometimes, that we actually can do this. But clearly out of 1 Corinthians 10, God, you, you think we can. God, you know us better than we know ourselves, so we'll trust you in that. Father, in the midst of temptation, I pray for each one of us here that we would be people who would recognize temptation as it comes, and you would take steps to overcome it rather than just get toppled over again and again and again. God, God help us to overcome. You've promised us that we can help us stand firm. In your sons, name We pray. Amen. All right. So um, before we, before you get up and move, um, I, there's a bunch of you who are new today, uh, which is cool. I, as I'm looking around, there's just faces I don't recognize, which is awesome. So what's about to happen here? Um, we're going to divide up into some small groups. So